Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. That's right, we are Flieger and Briggs. Welcome back one more time into the Asylum. And ladies and gentlemen, you are now about to witness the 300th episode of the Asylum Sports Show. Woo! I know, calm down. But uh, no, welcome in. We are Flieger and Briggs. Right here on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com, and we are pleased that you're listening to us, be it at work or whatever you're doing, and uh, you know, hope we can make the time go a little faster. We've got uh, a few things to start to cover, Rick. Uh, we've the, the new game that's sweeping the nation. Oh yes, a little pick, pick, your, pick poison. your poison, baby. Still don't have any uh, any effects for it yet. We're working on, we're efforting. As I've been globe trotting, Rick, I haven't had time to get it done. We can't seem to keep a producer, so a lot, lot going on here, but very pleased to be back. And if on you a- work for free and bring beer and you live close to us, you know, we'd love to have you yeah, for a producer. Yeah. With, with anybody. So, as you know, I just ran from the production studio that I built specifically for, for Alejandro. Yeah. I used to manage it all from right here inside the studio. Had a build out of the control room and now uh, didn't work. Want to start off? Let's do some house cleaning first. Well, number one, as we're asking people to do stuff for us for free if you've ever wanted to if you're a listener and you've got a i don't even care if it's a good radio voice a, a reasonable voice we need somebody to do some voiceovers for us i want to do some new production i want to do a new introduction i want to make it as we go rick four five days four four new shows five shows a week on the arena sports network here in the very very near future i guess i could have given that announcement a little more fanfare but that's what it is you're going to have four new episodes episodes of the asylum each and every week well we will push it when it becomes official for right sure. right but so i want to do some new production for that maybe new intro music all, all kinds of new stuff but it sounds cheesy when we do the voice work so really if you can speak the english language reasonably which i think that's a category we fall into right yeah we're reasonable you know it. and you don't sound like Pee Wee herman and you want to have your voice heard five times a week on the arena sports network on blog talk radio on asylum fantasy sports Sports.com, everywhere it's at. If you want to be part of that, we'll give you credit. Let us know. We'll send you over a script. If you have the ability, a decent voice and the ability to record, let us know. Asylumfootball at gmail.com, at asylumfootball on Twitter. You you look yeah. reticent to this, Rick. Well, no, I mean, if you're going to record, just don't have the kids running around, no, the no. dogs chewing on your ankle. Yeah, and, and it's and not enough to yell into your to the, eye. Going to the bathroom yeah, and, you know, all it, that kind of it's stuff. It's not enough to yell into your iPhone. You no. Know, uh, a modicum of professionalism. It doesn't have to be real professional, but something that sounds good that I can cut into some production. Let us know, asylumfootball.gmail.com. Or if you happen to have your own uh, show, which we probably ought to just talk to people we do because we've done voiceovers right. for other shows. Yeah. And, and Yeah, um, if you want to do a trade or something, we'll do something like sure. that. So let us know, at Asylum Football on Twitter. Uh, with, with that, probably time to make the announcement here, Rick, that we will not be doing the inside slant this season. Decide if we're going to go a full five days a week in the Arena Sports Net, probably time to eliminate that one. So I uh, just wanted to throw that out there for the four of you that listen to that show. Yeah, we don't want to be doing the uh, slant on top of everything else, and uh, we're just uh, we're going to take Sundays off. Right. Yeah. Even even God took the seventh day off, and by God, we're going to do the same. So unless there's some major clamor and it goes viral for us to do it on Sundays, which I'm not thinking is going to happen, but four new shows a week coming on the Arena Sports Network. So you'll you'll get your Flieger and Briggs fixed there. Uh, hopefully the the sound quality is a little better this this week this episode i know last episode earlier in the week we had some struggles figuring some things out as we're trying to manage a control room and the studio at the same time so i think we fixed all that that's the house cleaning stuff rick uh, again, you mentioned 300th episode. Now, we've probably done way more episodes than that. I don't think the slant counts in that. Right. All that stuff we did for the Fantasy Sports Network, for the uh, Armed Forces Network, all the different networks we've been on. But 300 brand new 
golden shows posted on that website, and they are all available still on AsylumFantasySports.com. Go out, check out those first few, and if you think we're bad now, you'll see, by God, just how far we've come. That's right. We have improved, and, <laughs> and that's our goal. Yeah, that just slight improvement year over year. That, but this At this point, Rick, in 2035, we're going to be a legitimate operation here at the Asylum. That's right. All right, let's get into it. A few headlines. We are going to play Pick Your Poison later on. Just a hodgepodge of whatever's going on really in the doldrums in June. Unless you're some psychopath baseball fan, there is just nothing, nothing going on. So thank you, Derek Carr and the Oakland Raiders, for signing that massive contract. Five years, $125 million. $40 million fully guaranteed. A big deal. And I'll tell you what, I think the kid's worth every penny, Rick. Oh, he's the future of that uh, team. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of promise going into last year. I think some of it would have been fulfilled if he hadn't gotten hurt late in the season. Um, But I tell you what, they've only gotten better. And I think this team is – I think that the AFC West is theirs to lose. I mean, let's just face it. No question about it. I think they're head and shoulders above everybody else in that division. And I'll tell you, just the way they're constructed, the way they play offense, especially with the addition of Marshawn Lynch, if he can stay healthy towards the end of the year, Probably the one team, everybody wants to talk about the Steelers, but we know how that goes in the playoffs for the Steelers and the Patriots. The Oakland Raiders may be the one team in the AFC that can unseat the Patriots, who can win that one game just the way they're constructed. How do you feel about, of course I know it's early and things really start shaking out in August when we start talking ADPs, because I think a lot of these ADPs are are, – they're just really not totally accurate because it's just not that much. I did a little digging on that because some of them just seem way off. Yeah. And while these are redraft ADPs that we go off of, obviously you don't want to factor in dynasty. But in my research, I have found that there are a lot of these teams, a lot of these owners, I guess I should say, these fantasy teams, who are entering into first-year keeper leagues. So while not a true dynasty, you're still seeing a value placed on the younger. You know, more of your right. dynasty darlings seem to be higher than they should be in redraft rankings. And I think I think that's why. And that'll start to, to sluss itself out, like you said, as we get into August. Now, am I panicking or just kind of... Probably. Uh, you're mis- a bit of a ninny. Misguided or what? Because I, I tell you what. I'm looking at ADPs right now, and Cam Newton is two slots higher than Derek Carr. That's just stupid. To me, I'm flabbergasted, quite frankly. I mean, not that Cam's still not a great athlete and all this, that, and the other, but he's a ninth ninth rated quarterback or the ninth picked quarterback right now and i gotta give you a little just you know maybe a little preview of pick your poison cam newton or james winston Winston. in 2017 winston newton or Carr? Carr. newton or phil rivers newton stafford newton roethlisberger i'm gonna have to say newton prescott Uh, newton Okay, so so you're a lot higher than, than on Newton. I don't know as much about being as high on well, Newton as low I am on down some of these on other those guys, guys right. listed. And and I don't blame you there, but you know, still Winston and Carr, and you thought about a couple other ones. I mean, I I just think ninth, even ninth, is a little high right now for Cam Newton. Yeah, I mean, way he's, too he, high. He's got the he's got the pedigree. I understand that he has some history of doing that. But to me, he also has that history of being wildly inconsistent if things aren't going right. Right. Yeah, if they struggle, and normally if he struggles, they struggle. And we're talking about, uh, I got to assume they're going to get the deal done. Talking right now as, as we're recording, Greg Olson maybe holding out a training camp. He'll be there. I, I would think so. I mean, because you lose Greg Olson. I mean, oh, Cam Newton. It's uh, over. Yeah. If fat Kelvin Benjamin, your boy, can't push himself away from the table, apparently. So they're, they're having a little trouble with that. I don't know. I think maybe they'll get him in shape in camp. But I always worry about the a guy's level of commitment if he's got weight issues. Uh, you know, Reed I've heard he has, he has looked wonderful in mini camps. So. Well, he's got great hands. And, 
He he's one of those guys. Is it a Kelvin Benjamin problem? Is it a Cam Newton problem? Is it a Carolina Panthers problem? Where when he gets rolling a little bit, you wonder why he's not the best receiver in the league. And you've been screaming from the mountaintops for day one for this kid, and he can just go away for a month. Yeah, just completely go. Maybe it's a Newton thing. Maybe it's a Rivera thing. I I don't know what it is, but there'll be plenty of time to talk about Kelvin Benjamin, Rick. I don't believe we've been on the air since this happened, but your 2017 Stanley Cup champions, the Pittsburgh Penguins, back-to-back celebration here in the Asylum Studios when all that went down. There's no question about that, and that was the highest-rated final since, I don't know, 10, I think they said, something like that. And um, I tell you, it it was good to see, obviously from our standpoint, to see the Penguins repeat it was good to see Nashville make it to the finals instead of, I guess, another also ran, you know, where mm-hmm. everybody, well, okay, it's so-and-so again. And, Chicago. And Chicago. We can say Chicago. Um, or even Detroit, you right. know, where, where they're more used to it. But it was nice to see Nashville really into it, getting into, you know, the arena. Uh, of hockey now and now we have the golden knights of las vegas next next year in 2018 with uh, mark andre flurries yeah. in the pipes i'll tell you what it was cool seeing how into it nashville got you know they, they don't have a lot of pro sports the titans since they've been there haven't had a ton of success they had that one super bowl run uh, was it kevin dyson coming up just a, a yard short Probably wouldn't have bothered me so much if I wasn't a Penguin fan, but they were a passionate group, but they knew nothing about hockey. I mean, nothing. Well, and it got to the point where I almost couldn't take it anymore. I had to stay off the tweeters, and even during the game, the stuff they would boo, the stuff they would – there was plenty of reasons to boo, but, you know, just nothing about that. A guy trips over the blue line, nobody within 15 feet of him in any direction, and then they're throwing catfish in their shoes and their teeth onto the floor. They're so incensed that they didn't put Nashville on a five-on-two advantage. True, but, I mean, that comes with the with the nostalgia of not having a history. Right, right. You know? and and it, it was it's cool. The it fervor. really was. And, and it's good to see. I, I mean, I, I was – I was glad. I was a little bit nervous in those playoffs after the. They should have lost because they should have been down two zero heading to Nashville. So that should have been three zero. Well, even one one, right? And and it sh- certainly could have been three one real easy, but um, you know it was not to be, and, and Pittsburgh repeated. And you know a friend of the friend of the asylums, uh, country singer songwriter Johnny Reed Foley. You yes. know, he just happened to he hopped on that band. Post a, a, a picture, new picture of himself on Twitter. I know he had a. It wasn't a Predators hat. But it was a Nashville it was that sign. Nash hat. They were. Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty and cool hat. Actually. It really is. And um, you know, so I put forth the uh, proposition that uh, you know we'll get him a, a Penguins hat if he takes a new picture and. He said, it's a deal, and uh, it should have arrived today. So, uh, you know, Johnny, if you're listening, your hat's there. All right. So, and was he going to take a picture in it and put it up on Twitter, give your boys some dap? Well, he said it was a deal, and I don't think he's going back on his word. What well, do you think? I, well, maybe we should send him, Rick, if you look over into, into, the, into the production studio over there. I've got the three most recent championship hats sitting on the console in there. So maybe if he'd prefer one of those, you know, I've got a couple of each. Yeah, it's up to him. I mean, I, you know. I mean, start with what you have, but if you're ready to step up. Yeah. I mean, you got five cups. I didn't know which one to send. Well, so yeah, there's so, many, there's so many. you got right. to keep it general because you right. don't know which team he's going to be a fan of. <laughs> Although, I don't know, sadly, he probably wasn't alive for the first two. <laughs> Actually, I'm relatively certain yeah, he wasn't. that's a good point. You're right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was, and you were still yeah. picking your nose. I, I was a – I was a teenager then. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't a. I was an idiot, but I wasn't. A, I was an idiot kid. Picking your nose. Yeah, probably <laughs> um, amongst other things. All right, Rick. I wanted to this. I'm gonna throw it out to you. I'm gonna lean back and give you as much time as you need. I know you've been chomping at the bit for this. Um, Rick Briggs breakdown of the 2017 NBA draft. All right, and very that's good. it. <laughs> I found myself weirdly getting into this one. I think it was just that idiot ball, <laughs> LeVar ball. Well, that's, making that's all that the noise. only thing anybody would really 
Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're real fans. They were paying attention, obviously, to their team and so forth. But the people that really aren't into it, they, they yeah, we I talked just about don't this. If, care? Go go back because it's still going to be Golden State and Cleveland and maybe Boston making a little bit of noise. Yeah, if they can get Hayward, Boston could give yeah. Cleveland a run. I think San Antonio's about done with their yeah, run. Yeah, unless they can. There's rumors they're going to bring in Chris Paul, which may draw somebody right. else. True. But but probably, you know, if, if you give Pop two stars. He might be able to do it versus better than the other teams with three. But I, that's what I wanted to ask you, and this is really why I brought it up. There was two points. If you listened to last episode, if you haven't, go back and check it out at AsylumFantasySports.com. In a football context, we talked about the drafting younger players and drafting for measurables, drafting for more than the ability to play. And, you know, the death of the upperclassmen, if you don't come out after your freshman year, they, they don't want to talk to you. The National Player of the Year, Frank Mason from Kansas, Rick, right. senior point guard, did, 34 overall to the Kings. Sendarius Thornwell, who played for – he was the SEC Player of the Year for South Carolina. In my opinion, should have been the Player of the Year and, and best player I'd seen in a long time and took that, you know, average middling SEC team to a Final Four. All he did for a season, Rick, in a major Power Five conference was average 21-7-3-3. and three. I mean, those are pretty good numbers. He goes 48, I believe it was, 12 from the bottom to the Clippers. So they, if you can play basketball now, they don't want any part of you. Yeah. <laughs> they want the young, long, athletic freshman. So we won't sit here and break all that down. What I did want to ask you, you mentioned your Golden State, your Cleveland. Is that good for basketball, do you think? Not talking about in the towns that have teams, is it good for those fans? Because clearly I, it's not. For the NBA as a product, well, we, what are your thoughts we, on Well, we covered this just a few weeks ago. I ran down the, the NBA finals. It hasn't seemed to hurt them. I mean, it was L.A. and Boston 400 right. years in a row. So, I mean, it, it's – yeah, I don't think it really affects it. I, I think that whoever is behind the marketing of the NBA is a freaking genius. Oh, absolutely. It's a terrible game. Because he, is taking, he has taken this league that, you know, when I was in high school, they had maybe a game – on a, a Saturday yeah, or it was probably a Sunday. Tape delay. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. They used yeah. to tape delay finals games. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's like we were talking about. We were talking about some of these previous stars. Do you, do you realize that I think it was 2.7% of Wilt Chamberlain's highlights are on film? Yeah. I right. mean, so that just goes to show you where they've taken that game to it is everywhere. It's global. Right. And it's, you know, who's going to win. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and so is it bad for ba- – or is it good for basketball? I don't think it matters. Right. I really don't. Well, in, in your point, and if you didn't get a chance to watch it, Rick, it's in three parts. I think it's five hours or something. It's a commitment to watch it. But ESPN just did a 30-30, 30 for 30 on those Lakers-Celtics rivalries. Amazing television. Look it up on yeah. demand and check it out. Incredible, incredibly well done. It's easy for us to sit here now, maybe me more more than you because I'm a basketball fan, and get up in arms because these super teams, I'm doing the air quotes now, these are kind of manufactured now through free agency, right? True, yeah. But it is no different than those Celtics teams, than those Lakers teams. They just happen to do it organically. Even the Bulls teams with with Jordan, you know, obviously being the huge cornerstone, bringing in Scottie Pippen, bringing in the the wings in, in packs and in, in, in the guys they had, and Horace Grant in the middle, you know, would be considered a super team, but they build it organically. At the end of the day, there's really no difference. There's always one, two, or three super power teams in the NBA. That's just the way it works. It's just easy to get pissed off now because they're artificially manufactured. Well, and you see the now Cleveland trying to do it, trying to get Paul George, trying to get Carmelo Anthony. Try, we get to watch yeah. them try to build it instead of it happening through the draft well, organically. But to your point, the the diehard fan, like the old guys like me or something like that that, that really had paid attention to basketball for a long time, they'd say, oh, yeah, you're right, Rick. They, they don't build teams like they do. And blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Today's fan, they don't care. No, they no. They could care less. No. It doesn't matter. You and, know what I mean, it's 
you know, they turn on a computer and, and they Google something. They don't go to a library yeah. and look anything up. You know, they want something on TV. Oh, I missed a show. You know, oh, too bad. I'll just hit the DVR and watch it again. Right. They, see, they don't care. It's just now. And, and you know, it's it's the basketball finals, and these are the two best teams, and they right. don't care how they got there. Well, and, that, and that's sort of my point. They probably shouldn't care. It, the, the only thing is now we can see how these teams get built. So we can maybe say the GMs were better back then, or whatever. You what it, Back in my day, get off my lawn crap, you know. Well, but at the end of the it. day, all the only difference now is we're seeing how it's being built versus it being built behind the scenes and just happening it's, like the Clippers or the Clippers, yeah, yeah the Lakers, yeah, the Clippers, the Lakers in in the Celtics in the seventies, eighties, and well, and, and it's a classic example, I think, of, of you know the old argument. Well, you know who's a better player, blah blah blah. Well, it was a different game then, or this that. Yeah, you know, doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. Right? Right. Well, it's the same way now. You know, are those general managers any better than they are now? You can't really say that because you look at a general manager 40 years ago and say we had six foot six Rick Fligger playing in Grove City, Pennsylvania. Yes, nobody saw this guy. There's right. no films. No, no, you know, exactly. they, they just never heard of them. And, and so – you stumble into whatever, you know, Cleveland for a tryout, and all of a sudden, oh, he's a superstar. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because somebody Now is... we know about these kids coming out of junior high. Sure. We knew about LeBron James when he was in seventh grade. I knew about, I knew yeah, who LeBron exactly. James was, and we all – And least he for... was 24 then. Right. Well, you it know. seemed like it, his body was. Anyhow, <laughs> right. I mean, you, you can see it. It's just a different world. The game's not for me. More about how it's played, and I don't, I don't like the NBA product. But you know, it makes it makes sense for a global audience. You know, they're they're the rare, you know, the the biggest sport in the United States being football. Those guys all wear helmets, so you know the handful of guys are on commercials and who get interviewed after every game. Otherwise, they're just nameless helmets, yep. right? In the NBA, there's only five of them on the floor. You see them, there's a lot of one-on-one action, the windmill dunks, all this stuff. You, so I can see how that appeals to a younger audience. And it's easy to latch on to a Golden State, easy to latch on to a Cleveland, these handful of teams. I did it with the Bulls in the 90s. You know, sure. now the games, for me, you, you talk about Wilt Chamberlain, you know, the, this might make you angry, but I'll tell you what, a team Wilt Chamberlain was on, a team he was on, wouldn't have any success today. Because a guy with a center with his back to the basket, I'll tell you what, Wilt could go out and average his 100 points a game. His teams would still lose because the other team's going to have three wings shooting 55% from three, and they're going to score 140. You know what I mean? That's just how different the game well, is from then to now. But and I don't like what the NBA But it's become. not the same thing as well. I mean, in today's game, you throw enough money out there, you can have Wilt, and mm-hmm. you can still have Steph Curry and somebody yeah, else. So you, you could put Wilt on know. the. And well, let's not forget, Wilt Chamberlain also adapted his game. Right. He also led the league in assists later on mm-hmm. in his career. So I mean, you know, if you got enough money, it doesn't yeah. matter what era, you can win. Yeah, I don't want to get bogged down. No, in heck no. All right, what do we have? How about some uh, NFL headlines? Eric Decker signs with the Titans, Macklin with the Ravens. Any of that move the needle for I you? Li- I like Eric Decker with the Titans. Yeah, Macklin means nothing. Decker to the Titans is interesting. Well, I mean, Macklin means something. He is Steve Smith, you know, 1A now, I think. I mean, he's younger, and, and he's certainly a veteran, and I think that if there's anybody that's going to lead that receiving core and actually be a leader kind of like a Steve Smith was, Macklin can do it. I think he's going to have some value. I mean, a big superstar fantasy-wise, probably not because it's Baltimore. Number low three, high four kind of bench guy, I, I think, is where he fits in. Yeah. Which is probably where he was as a number one in Kansas City, quite frankly. True. You know, save for a couple of nice years in Philadelphia. That's who he's become since leaving Philadelphia. All right. Know you're excited. Tim Tebow, Rick, moved a high A ball by the Mets. So, I'm sure now you can you can move up. You have to switch allegiances for your minor league baseball viewing habits. Hey, I'm, um, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm glad, I'm I'm glad, glad the kid's moving Why is there up. so much hate for this kid? Well, this kid. I don't even want to get into old. it, quite frankly. I mean, because it, to me, it's um, it's it's such an about face of values, right? 
and I I just don't care for it. And so, I don't like I mean, the baseball purists mocking him. There's been no pretense about it for him. He came in. He, he went through the tryout. It's he's, not like he's saying anything. Yeah, he's playing in the bus leagues, you know. I, it, it, he's just going out. He's not having a ton of success, but showing a little bit of power. It's good for whatever team he's playing for and whatever city he's going sure. into. He, he made his money. He's trying to pursue this dream he had as a kid. Why that bothers everybody? And it's probably – what you're trying to avoid saying, it's probably about his re, his openness with his religion, and that offends half the country, which I don't understand for some reason. And half the people don't like him because he's too good-looking and life's been too good for him. But he's a guy going out, living his dream, doing what he wants to do, and doing it the right way with no pretense. Why why that offends anybody is completely beyond me. It's the whole premise of this modern, anonymous social media world. Right. And it's it's practiced to tear people down. True. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and that's what it is. It, it's it's not you know, hooray, great, good luck. It's whatever. Oh yeah, you went one for five today, boy. You're a big superstar. Ha ha. <laughs> you know. I mean, well, you do better than yeah, pal. Exactly. You know. No, nobody invited you. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. every year. Every Major League Baseball team has one of these open tryouts. Yeah. And nobody ever moves on. And does the fact that he is Tim Tebow and he can actually sell out a Class A stadium whereas nobody else on the planet can affect that he got that chance? Yes. Yes, it did. Sure. But every job every one of us has ever had, more than likely, as you move on through life, has been through, for some reason, knowing the right person or having the right connection. Right. So he used that connection. He's going out. He's doing it right. He's making his team's money. He, he, I, I don't get it. I don't, I, we could do a full hour on that, and I don't want to do it. I agree with you 100%. I do. All right, let's let's turn it to a little lighter note, Rick. All right, come across a little story uh, here. I always wonder that these websites <laughs> that you peruse. Okay, um, I mean you know what a herbivore is, right? That's the the plant animals, right? Right. It's <laughs> All uh, right. Know, they eat plants, right? Yeah, that's a fact. Okay, you know, and and white-tailed deer are what herbivores and delicious, right? Yes, and they are. But a deer has been spotted eating human remains for the first time. Well, that's no good. Did he the, kill the, the human or did he just the come animal, upon it? Uh, listen now. The animals are typically herbivores, although they will occasionally eat meat and chew on bones. Scientists believe this is the first recorded incident of a deer eating a human. The incident was captured by a motion-sensitive camera at a, quote, body farm. A 26... <laughs> What's a body for? If you be quiet, I'll tell you. A 26-acre facility in San Marcos, Texas, where human cadavers are left in the elements in order to study the process of decay and composition. So so they just fling bodies out in the weeds to see what would happen? Apparently. Where do they get the bodies? Well, you know, I guess there's probably plenty of them laying around. They don't know who they are. Like hobos or something. I guess. I don't know. That's horrific. I didn't know such a thing existed. I didn't either. I mean, I, I'm, I, first I was a little concerned about deer <laughs> eating people, but I'm more concerned that they're just flinging carcasses out. That, that's unbelievable. Right. Right. I mean, let, let's just cut through the chase. They're, they're throwing them out to watch the rot. Yeah, that, and measure the, the What are you measuring in college that leads you down that road, you know? <laughs> To, to whom is the guidance counselor recommending that to? I don't know. Are there I, a bunch of these? I have a lot of questions here. We I, need to do. We need to research. Well, that. it's kind of like the dead body. We, you know, we, you know, that we talked about about five years ago. Oh, that was Mildred. in a house for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Or Ethel. Ethel. Yeah, Ethel or whatever it was. But yeah, we might have to research that. All Good right, Lord. Can you tell me? Not likely, but I'll try. There are only. There are only three mammals. Okay. That go through menopause. Ooh, it's a gross word. I think we can we ban that word no. on the show. I'm telling you, there's only three, and of course humans are one of them. Yeah, so that's one. I don't know. How would I know this? This well, is so gross. This, that word this me is out. this is an opportunity for everyone to learn. Why does anyone need to know that? <laughs> Humpback whales and elephants. <laughs> that's horrific. <laughs> okay. 
One more. Oh, God. It's not about okay, female in, innards. In an it? acre of like a green area, and I'm going to say a green area is probably like a field or right. a yard, woods, bushes, that yeah. kind of thing, not like a building or whatever. So how many dead bodies can they stack in <laughs> Well, there, it depends right? where you're at, I guess, there. <laughs> but on average, in one acre of a green area, All right. how many spiders are there? Oh, there's got to be millions on top of millions. Mil- no, spiders, not bugs, spiders. 124,000. Boy, you're just, no. I, I was flabbergasted at 50,000. How is that all? That doesn't seem like a lot. <laughs> well, don't they say in your lifetime you eat like a couple hundred spiders in your sleep? They're, they're, things are just everywhere. I don't know. I'd eat them. I don't I'm care. not afraid of spiders. I don't either. I step on them. Now, I don't snakes care. I'm butt-skirted of. I'll run from a snake. Well, you probably would. I'll eat a snake. I've eaten snake. I've never eaten snake. I've eaten rattlesnake. I might try it, but I ain't hunting it. Butt-skirted. Yeah. Well, yeah Hate them. It's not bad. Hate them. It's not bad. Tastes like chicken, right? Everything tastes like yeah, it chicken. It tastes like snake. Now, what's snake taste like? I don't know. Meat. Some kind of meat. Chicken. Yeah. Everything tastes like chicken. Yeah. Well, you know, if you talk about you've eaten frog legs, right? No, I actually have. Really? No, they're delicious. They're I don't think kinda, I've ever even been in a restaurant where it was on. They're kind of like fish and chicken. If you you know if you can kind of mix them together, it'd be kind of like what they are. Sort Doesn't of. Doesn't sound very good. Very good. Is it? Oh, very. Well, good. they're fried, right? Yeah, you can fry. I'd eat a human finger if it was battered, beer battered, and deep fried. It doesn't really matter nah. what's inside <laughs> it at that point. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I'll go down to that body farm in Texas. Nah, I don't think I want to go that <laughs> way. All right. All right, Rick. Be- that, before then. we get into pick your poison, Rick, I always have to get your opinion on golf courses. So yeah. we're, we're over a well, yeah, over a week late on this one, but. Uh, Brooks Kepka wins the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills at a minus 16. 32 different players finished under par. Everyone's losing their mind because the U.S. Open, they want that one at even par, maybe minus one. They don't want scores going that low. They're never going to have it at Aaron Hills again. What are your thoughts? Is it necessary that these courses become like 7,000-yard mini golf courses where it's impossible to get it in the clown's mouth? I don't understand that. No, it is um it's kind of a ridiculous statement because if you want I mean, you know, everybody wants you know, the massacre at Wingfoot, like back right. in seventy four where like Hale Irwin won it like I don't know what it was, six or seven over par or something like that. And it you know, it's people not everybody wants to see that. Yeah, I wanna see some guys have trouble. You know, in in a U.S. Open or a British Open. Now, Augusta's different. You're, you know, it's the Masters. I mean, right. you got enough pressure on you as it is, right? And, and I would assume in a major you do. But U.S. Opens and British Opens especially are a little different animal. They want to see them have some trouble. But do I want to see them shoot eight over? No. Right. And if, and if you don't want to see 16 over, pick a harder course. Right. Because I tell you what, the course was impeccable. The rough was nine feet deep. Right. And what else can you do with it? I mean, you play it. I think the only thing you say about Aaron Hills is then you play it on a course that the fairways aren't 65 yards wide. I mean, that that's a reasonable criticism. See, what I don't like, that course did a nice job in my opinion. You're the expert of this, so I'm going to throw this out and then I'll shut up and let you take over. If you made a mistake, you got thoroughly punished. All right, you weren't working your way out of trouble on this golf course. What I don't, I don't need to see is if you hit a good shot, and the thing rolls back 125 yards into water or into impossible. I don't want to see that. If you make a good shot, I think you should be rewarded. If you make a poor shot, you should be punished. Now the chances to make a poor shot are reduced again with 65 yard wide fairway. But other than that, I don't know what else you want the USGA to do here. Well, the USGA, when they schedule the U.S. Open, Rick, I mean, they're talking to these courses years in advance. If they didn't want the fairways that wide, why didn't they just tell the guy? Yeah, blow it out. It's easy to narrow fairways. Just don't mow it for a while. Right. Okay. You know. Okay. We're going to use the the first rough cut twenty yards in, and we and we'll grow the rest to rough height. So that's hogwash. I mean, the USGA, maybe the USGA was happy, 
But as far as if the fans, like you say, I don't want to see as wide a fairways, well, okay, that's a decision I'm just saying made. that's a reasonable argument. I don't no, care. that's true. I, I understand that. Um, you know, we did that in the, at the courses that we had. Um, we would uh, mow our fairways narrower. But, I mean, it, it wasn't that difficult of a golf course. Right. We, we did have some years where we grew – rough that was ridiculous kind of like Aaron Hills and I got away from it and probably you know to detriment to my career but I had to be there 52 years weeks out of the year right and to mow that stuff down we were a private country club but we were open 365 days a year and I've got members that shoot 95 coming out that can't find her ball in the rough on the next day right and then i started hearing it you know so yeah i mean number one the superintendent's in, in a tough spot when it comes to that kind of thing because this guy you know that aaron hill's got members to deal with oh, i'm yeah. sure i think it's a public course which i think makes it even more difficult because exactly. i'm sure it's a public course I, i'm making a number up here but i'll bet you it's a public course that charges like pebble beach does you can go play pebble beach if you got twenty five hundred dollars laying around you don't have anything else to do with so you make this thing so ignorant that the best players in the world are shooting eight over. What's the average guy? Are you really – to say you played on a U.S. Open course, are you going to fly up there, drop a few thousand dollars on greens fees to shoot 140? And quite frankly, the, the course itself, they were 16 under par. What else are you going to do to that golf course other than what you said, make the fairways almost impossible right. to hit? There's nothing they could have done. No. The rough was brutal. If you got in there, you were dead. And really, I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, of course, they were in Wisconsin. It was not a lot of – it was out in the open, it right. seemed like. Not a whole lot of woods, really, to plow into. But that being said, the, you know, two-foot rough makes up for woods – there's not a whole lot you can do to that thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, they made it 7,700 yards long. It's, that just means nothing that's these That's 7,000 yards of 25 years ago. Right. Basically. Yeah, it means nothing. No, it, it really doesn't. You have three 600-yard par fives, and if they stay out of trouble, everyone was on the green in three. Everyone was. Yeah. Oh, I, no. even the greens were tough. You know, if you could get it, you could get it in there with a perfect shot. You know, unlike some of these courses, that's what they want. They want you to hit it with backspin four feet above the hole and have it spin back twenty five yards back into the fairway. That's not the kind of golf I want to watch. It really isn't. Greens should be in a condition, and, and and I've never never gone for these these pool table speeds where I mean, really, speed's not that big of a deal. Right. I mean, if you're six foot away, you tap it, it gets there. Yeah. But, you know, and I don't really like them slow either, so don't get me wrong there. But but I think a green's condition, if you hit a shot from a fairway properly, even if you push a little bit and it's on the right of the green or, or whatever, it hits a green, it stops. Right. If you're in the rough, you have to adjust your shot because, you know, because the rough will take the spin off of a ball. So if it hits, it's gonna you're gonna have to allow for a, a bounce. Yeah, it's because it's not just it's not, coming out hot. Exactly, and that's what a green should be. It shouldn't be mushy where it just stops no right. matter what, and they shouldn't be like bricks where you can't hold it right. from a fairway. Yeah, it's not that hard. I mean, yes, it, it's an extremely difficult job, but if the weather's good, which it was, those greens were fine. I'm not, this isn't even probably a conversation really. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, those <clears throat> greens were fine. I just don't see what the big to do is anymore. I don't know what they want. If, if, if they shot eight over and of course, back to the social media, they're, oh, it's, it's, it's just a right. terrible golf course. This is even golf they're playing, <laughs> you know? And then if they shot, 22 under oh my god they might be playing miniature golf you know it's just bozos with with twitter well and my thought on it is and correct me if i'm wrong this is a u.s open they use generally not always public but accessible courses in these areas and you can't make them all the same i don't want this artificial trumped up let's take this course and let's make it so jason day on his best day, can shoot even. No, no. You select the courses based on what criteria you have, and you bring your best in and play that course. 
Yeah. That's what it should be. And it seems to be there's a push from some folks in the USGA and all the Twitter idiots out there watching golf who want all these courses. You want the beautiful courses. You know, you you know, you want to take Oakmont and you want to trick well, it all. Thing. You want to trick it all up. No, no, no. This is Oakmont. You know, Oakmont's probably second to to the Masters, right? In terms of just aesthetically what it is. You don't go in there and trick it up, but don't expect him to go do that anywhere else. This is how Wingfoot plays. The USGA determined this was a course oh, suitable. Aaron or Aaron Hills, yeah. what I say? Wingfoot. Wingfoot. Well, there's another one. Well, you, that- know, don't, you don't go out and trick it all up. This, in its condition, is suitable for the United States Open. Yes or no. And that's where the conversation right. ends. If they go out and the winner shoots two un- two over or fourteen under, what the hell's the difference? I-, I don't understand why we want to modify these fantastic courses to make them this mess. And like you said, they're there for four days, and then they've got to make money the other three hundred and sixty-one yeah. days of the year. How are they going to do that if you trash the course doing this? Not- and you know that better than anybody, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and you know the U.S. Open may be a different animal because the club probably brings in a lot more money. Money, right. But some of these courses with just a regular tournament or an LPGA tour or, or one of the lesser tours. Uh, I don't even know what they are now. They call it the web.com. Yeah, now, web.com now has gone from buy.com to Nike and right. Hogan and all that. But, but yeah, I mean, they don't get much. Right. And But they want the same conditions. They send the advanced agronomists they, you know, and, and everything to, to you know. Yeah, that's, that's another thing that gets me, you know. And I guess I'm just getting on a soapbox, you know. But here's Go a, for it. Here's a guy that, that has, has gone to school, has a degree, and he makes a living of taking care of a golf course. And I understand, like, the, the PGA Tour, the tour, which is capital letters, of course, the tour. <laughs> they come in and they have certain things that they want to see. Which I understand that because, you know, they, they're dealing with the players and so forth. But then they want to tell you on verticutting schedules, mowing schedules, top dressing schedules, and all that. Nuh-uh. Yeah, I'm running this. Yeah, yeah, you're not telling me. And like I said, it was always a detriment, I'm sure, to my career after about 11 years. i got to be that. honest. I have a hard time picturing you doing this to the PGA officials. I'm stunned that you reacted in that manner. <laughs> oh. Well, you, you ought to saw the, the day – it was like my second pro tournament. And we were being, it wasn't a big time tournament, we were being uh, covered by the Golf Channel. Okay. And at that juncture in, in the Golf Channel, um, Jim Nelford, former PGA golfer, um, was, was commentating for that. He was an announcer. And here it is, Wednesday evening, probably about 9 o'clock, I don't know, maybe 8.30, something like that. Getting everything wrapped up. First day is tomorrow, right? Right. So I'm coming up, swing around the clubhouse. I'm coming up in the cart, up number 10. My, the maintenance facility was on the other side of 10 green. I look up, and there's a golf cart on the green. Oh, no. And two guys walking around. Oh, no. <laughs> and this is a true story. And so I come flying up there i was much younger i was younger than you are now and you know how hot-headed i am now yeah i can't imagine you when you had energy yeah exactly so i pull up i slam on the brakes and i said get the blankety blank off the green hit us up at asylum football on twitter if you want to know what blankety blank means the hand comes out hi jim nelford i said i know who the hell you are jim (laughs) like that and and he was stunned then it was like, you know, I said, now get this damn cart, cart off my green. <laughs> and so they did. We spoke briefly, and I don't think I ever talked to him again. <laughs> I can imagine not. <laughs> I, I saw it was big news over the weekend. Donald Trump was golfing at one of his courses and pulled the pulled the cart on the green. But that's his course. He yeah, can do whatever he wants. the owner can do whatever he wants. <laughs> All right, Rick, we have bloviated for about 45 well, minutes. Nothing. So it's going to have to be an abbreviated version of Pick Your Poison. All right. I'll start this one, Rick. Okay. All right, Rick. Pick your – well, let's do it this way. The fantasy Illuminati for a couple years now have been smugly pushing and arguing for two wide receivers, Kevin White and Brashard Perriman, to no avail 
to this point. You might right. have heard that here yeah. first in case yeah. you're wondering. Exactly. Uh, but you probably quit listening because if you if we don't agree with you, you stop listening. Pick your poison heading into 2017, Rick. Kevin White, Brashard Perryman, or I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you up here. Oh, I'll give you an out or neither. Neither. I'm with you. Oh, 100%. If I had to pick, I would probably take White. But given this point right now, 2017, I don't want either one. Yeah. Perryman, look at context clues, right, with with Brashard Perryman. You know, I believe he's entering his third year, Rick. Do I have that right? I think it is. I think there was an injury year. It's mainly an injury year. And now heading into this season – you lose Steve Smith, he goes away, he retires. You look at the the lack of talent the Ravens have offensively. Any wide receiver who became available, any wide receiver was instantly linked to the Ravens. There's no true belief amongst NFL scouts, NFL executives, and the Baltimore Ravens, for that matter, that Brashard Perryman can be that number one guy. Kevin White, look, he's a little younger. He had that one, he's had these injury-plagued issues. I think he's the more talented, probably a little more room to work there, probably hard to believe this, that I'm saying this, a better offensive situation there in Chicago. But, you know, you've got Cameron Meredith. You bring in Wright. I don't know where he fits in there. I don't know if the kid can stay healthy. I'm with you neither. So, in order for me, it's neither White and Perryman. And I think there's a big gap between White and Perryman. So, if you want to unfollow us, GFY, you know, whatever you want to do, fine. Your Good boy, for you. <laughs> your boy is out on Brashard Perryman. Okay. I am too. All right, Rick. I'll give you a little uh, pick your poison here. You have, okay, you're drafting here. You have David Johnson and Amari Cooper. Okay, I, I like the sound of okay, that. Okay, so basically you're starting. I'm number one overall. Number one or number two. Right. Okay, so you're starting off the third round. Do you take, and I don't know why this is like a just a choice. Um, I, I, I'll give you more um, latitude, but you'll know where I'm going with it. Do you pick like a Lamar Miller? Okay. Or do you go with like a Jarvis Landry slash Allen Robinson, something of that nature? Lamar Miller or the best available running back, I, I think is where we're going with Exactly. It. And I'm going with the best available running back. It's going back to the old school for me. I finally got off of that, finally followed Dennis Farrell's advice the last two or three years. It worked out well for me. Two years ago, I won all those championships, had decent years last year, not in the Caveman League, but had deep runs in the playoffs in a lot of leagues. It is becoming more and more alarmingly to the point where there are so many. The RBBC has become like the RBBBC. You know, there's teams using three running backs. Right. There's teams not even running the football. There's some teams with some workhorse backs that aren't any good. You know, if you want to call that's Detroit's probably more of an RBBC with, with Riddick and with Amir Abdullah. But there are teams with with huge question marks with, with rookies coming in. Read Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. You know, I think the kid's going to be good. We know Jeremy Hill's been a disappointment. Gio Bernard coming off the ACL, bring Mixon in. There are so many question marks. If that's where the benefit of being at the top of that draft is going to be, you get your David Johnson slash Le'Veon Bell slash Zeke Elliott, you get a stud-wide receiver, and you get the very end of those reasonable running backs. Even though the value – not the value, the, the, the scoring – Ability is going to be better in the wide receivers at that point. I'm going to take the value in a running back, get those top two. I can load up on re- on receivers from four to rounds four to eight, somewhere in there, and keep myself afloat. If you pass there at the top of that third round, there ain't going to be another running back. You're going to be fishing that waiver wire looking for you know Maurice Jones Drew and his rookie. You're looking for that guy <laughs> right. later and hoping you hit it, and it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, that was just uh, getting back to kind of like the, the no running back theory. I, I think you're sadly mistaken to now, do that because it worked for a while. Now it, it's done. It's right. done. And if you look at that second tier of wide receivers, for me, there's a significant drop-off that didn't exist. There's been your top tier and your second tier that have separated themselves. There's a significant drop-off. And you know how much I like Jarvis Landry. But these are the guys you're getting into there. These aren't lock them up 
you know, feeling good kind of guys. So if I'm in that position where in the third round, there's really, even early in the third round, there isn't a guy you're just pounding the table saying, there's my guy, plug him in, never think about it again. If I'm already having questions in the beginning of the third round, which seems to be happening this year in a redraft format, I'm going to err on the side of the running back. I'm going to err on the side of the guy who's going to get to rock because there's so few of those guys out there right now. Yeah, I agree. All right, Rick, pick your poison amongst these wide receivers coming off of injury-plague seasons. You can just tell me which one you want, or you can put them in order, whatever you want to do. Pick your poison, Rick. Sammy Watkins, Keenan Allen, Alshon Jeffrey, Des Bryant. Des Bryant, I want. Yeah. Um, Keenan Allen, I would certainly like to, to have – on my team, but I don't think I'm willing to pay the price that he's going to go. I, I mean, you can't say, you know, I don't want him. Yeah, I'd love to have him, but I, but for the right price. Who were the other two? Uh, Sammy Watkins and Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey, I'll take. And I like Carson Wentz. I like that yeah, fit in Philadelphia. I, I really I do, do too. And you know what? I don't really mind um, Wentz. I, th- I think he's really going to be a quick, I don't know, say a mature, but improver mm-hmm. is is my thing. And and who was the other one? I forget again. Sammy Watkins. Oh, Sammy Watkins. I love Sammy Watkins. But, again, he's, he's probably even more so than Keenan Allen. I'm, I'm not willing to pay the price on him. Yeah. I, I just You just don't seem to get what you pay for with him. Yeah. And and I like to see it happen before I had to gamble too much to get him. Right. Yeah, for me, this is clear in a way, number one's Des Bryant. And really, I only put him on this list because there didn't seem to be early on the chemistry between he and Dak Prescott. It took a while. They started to find it, yeah. I think, towards the end of the year. He was nicked up when he came back. They just didn't seem to be there. There were weeks where he just really dropped off. But I think he's far and away number one. For me, far and away at the end is Sammy Watkins. I don't trust the guy. I like Alshon Jeffries' fit in Philadelphia, and I like what Wentz is doing. I think he's the clear two. Allen's a big question mark. If he's healthy, if he's healthy, he's probably going to be a value where he's going to take. But there's a lot of risk you're taking there with his injury history. If he right. if he plays 13 games, you're going to get him at a steal for wherever he's going. I don't even know what his ADP is. I don't care. I'm not going to take the time to look it up. Who is that? Which one? Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. He's he's not down as probably as far as you would think. Keenan Allen right now is a 20th wide receiver. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a steal if he plays 13 games. Right, but that's a big, big risk. Yeah, exactly. That's a big risk at that point. All right, Rick. Aaron Rodgers is on a bye. All right. Okay. And I think you know you're going to see where I'm going with this question. Who do you start? Blake Bortles at home versus Indy, or Big Ben away versus Cleveland? Oh, that that's Blake Bortles, and it's not even close. Now, the the Cleveland matchup I like for Big Ben. He's tortured them. He is pathetic. We talked about it before we went on air, two episodes or last episode. Pathetic, pathetic on the road. Chances are that question will be real irrelevant because Big Ben will not be playing that week. He will have <laughs> suffered some type of injury and told us all about it. Blake Bortles will have will throw three picks early, will have his team down 24 at the half, and at the end he'll throw for 360 and three touchdowns in what will ultimately be a 10-point loss. Blake Bortles is a guy in fantasy football. I won't draft him as my number one. If I can have him, he will be on my team. He will put up fantasy points. You will have to wait until the fourth quarter to get them. You'll be losing your damn mind. But when it's all said and done, 300 yards, two touchdowns, three picks – Perfect in a bye week. Perfect for an injury replacement. Okay, do you buy him being the 20th quarterback in fantasy? No, I think he's higher for me. He's behind right now in current ADPs. He's behind Tyrod Taylor. He's behind Ben. I Um, think that's Bortles for me. He's behind Andy Dalton. Bortles. Eli. 
I like Eli with the addition of Brandon Marshall. Right. I'll keep Eli ahead. And of I think that's about where it stops. I mean, Phil Rivers, Matt Stafford, yeah. I think I'd take them any day over, over Bortles. Yeah, so I think I Bortles, what, 15, 16, 17 is probably where I have him somewhere right. in that range. So a, a good backup, you know, he's easy to make fun of. He hasn't matured into what we thought he was going to be. But this is about fantasy points. And if you can just not watch the game, not pay attention to the Jaguars, just look at the final result, I think you're going to be happy with it in terms of fantasy scoring. Yeah, I do too. And, it, you know, if, if Fournette actually can establish a run game, Blake Boros actually may improve a little bit that way too. He right. may actually work closer to – 13 or 14, right? something you, like that. You bring in a Leonard Fournette, maybe a better running game if Fournette right. ends up being the real deal, which I have question marks about. I don't think he's a lock him down that other people do. But if he becomes that guy, you got a steady running back. You can get Allen Robinson back in. You get Allen Hearns healthy for the year. We saw Marquise the, Lee we saw the We saw the emergence of Lee. It, probably not, but – he could get himself back in that conversation. All right, let's keep it moving, Rick. Pick your poison amongst these top running backs in new places, Rick. Mike Gillisley in New England, Marshawn Lynch in Oakland, Blunt in Philly, Eddie Lacy in Seattle. Lynch in Oakland is one, and Lacy in second in uh, in Seattle. I think I agree with you. Um, Lacy apparently is looking quite well. Looking svelte. Yeah, svelte, kind of like me. I wish somebody would offer svelte. me $50,000 to lose a, so many pounds every month. I might actually do it Yeah. instead of being a big slob I've become. <laughs> yeah. Um, blunt, boy, I tell you what, that is – I think that's the, the biggest mystery. $64,000 question. That's the biggest mystery yep. going into the season. Can he do it anywhere else? Because it failed in Pittsburgh, it failed in Tampa. Can he do it somewhere else? Exactly. Is he matured beyond needing Bill Belichick kicking him in the hind end to, right. to keep it moving? And who was the other one? Gillisley. Why is everybody losing their mind over Gillisley? I don't know. Why? I, I don't know. You still know. have James White. You still have Deion Lewis. Gonna, and nobody runs the ball you're consistently. You're going to have games where – Everybody's going to say, oh, it's Gillisley, and then the next game he'll have 20 yards. Sometime before Halloween, Gillisley will have four touchdowns in a game, right? Right. <laughs> and then sometime before Thanksgiving, he'll go a three-game three stretch where he has 20 total touches. I mean, this is New England. Why? But there's, people are losing their mind over Gillisley going up there, and I, I don't get it. I don't either. All right, probably got time for one more here. Right? One more. Okay. Um, buh, 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 buh. Okay. I think this is a pretty – no, I'm not even going to go there. Okay, you got your running back, um, and you're contemplating you're – in, you're in a draft, you went running back in your first pick, okay? Now you're contemplating getting another running back. Pick your poison. Todd Gurley, Lamar Miller. Oh, that's so tough. Miller's a safer play, but he's almost too safe. I, I'm going to take the risk on Gurley this year, Rick. I, I think I'm going to. I don't know what happened there. You don't go from what he was two seasons ago, have that precipitous of a fall. Without, I'm surprised we never heard about injuries. I don't know what it was. You bring McVay out there, I think that makes that – you still have the quarterback issues, but that may, has to make that offense a little more dynamic. You'd think. They find a way to get Gurley involved. He is so much more talented. He's a guy I think I'm going to take the risk on this year. I right, really Right do. now, current ADP is Todd Gurley, 11th running back, Lamar Miller, 12. Um, I'm not sure that I don't take – Isaiah Crowell over both of them. Crowell's interesting. He, he, I, I really am. I just you know, interesting. I, I think Cleveland had a good draft. I think that he established himself as basically the cornerstone of that offense. He catches passes and so forth. If they're even mildly better, I mean, Crowell is going to be a significant force, I think. So, I, you know – I mean, is he going to be top tier? Certainly not. But, you know, he could certainly leapfrog over. I mean, right now he's behind Miller. He's behind Gurley. He's behind Fournette. I can see him going over all those guys. But anyway. Certainly going to have a lot of touches. Well, that's it, Rick. We are out of time. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Arena Sports Network. 
Remember, you want to have your voice heard on these airwaves five days a week, let us know at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at gmail.com. We'll be back next week. I don't know, two, three, four shows. I don't know what we're going to do. We're getting it all put together. But know for sure, asylumfantasysports.com and Arena Sports Net, you're going to find your boys. Until then, we'll see you. Take care. Love this song.